Welcome to the second episode of Trust the Badge. In this episode, I interview three Sanford Airport police officers. Those officers including Officer George Small, Officer Anthony Egger, Officer Armani Huertas. In the beginning of the interview, they introduced themselves and their experience of being an officer. Throughout the interview, we discussed the job of an airport police officer and most importantly, the publicity of policing. I hope you enjoy this episode. My name is Armani. Mm-hmm. Been a police officer going on five years. Started my career out in New Jersey, second largest police department in the state. Uh, Had some canine experience. Came down here for better quality of life. Okay. My family. Love my time here. Um, Anthony Eiger, been with Sanford Airport Police for just two years now. I uh, was previously with the Sheriff's Office in Seminole County. Um, did reserve for five or six months, did full time, and I did almost uh, seven, eight years at that. Um, different change of pace here, but it's a good, good group of guys and a lot of experience, like we already said earlier. Um, it's definitely a some different experience and different way to look at things. So. Okay. My name is George Small. I'm a police officer here with the uh, Sanford Airport Police Department. I've been here for eight years. I have prior experience with the city of Altamont Springs for over 20 years. Uh, the Orange County Sheriff's Office before that, corrections. Before that, United States Army Military Police. Wow, no big experience. Wow, okay, so it's a wide range of experience in different yeah. places too. Yeah. Okay, so uh, just first for each of you guys, uh, what encouraged you to become an officer? And do you have any specific example or story? I would say um, where I grew up in New Jersey, there were some parts that were the best parts of town. Okay. And I would see like the things that went around that went down in the neighborhood, and I wanted to just make a difference, do my part, and trying to stop it. Okay. Uh, yeah, for me, I had a lot of family, relatives, uh, originally from New Jersey as well. Um, so from city cops to state troopers. Um, and like you said, you know, kind of doing your part, but knowing that you deal with you know, 90% of people are good. You know, you only have a certain percent that you deal with that are that criminal element. Yeah. And a lot of times you're dealing with people on their worst days at the worst point in their life. And it's nice to be able to try to get them, I guess, through that in the best way possible, get the best resolution for them. So definitely pays off when you have those kind of days. I, uh, I'm one of the unique individuals that uh, can say I wanted to be a police officer since I could walk. Oh, wow. And Young that, was, that was my dream, and that's what I pursued through high school, college, and military. Ultimately, I'm still at it. You were in the military? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. In the Army. How long? Four years. And then after from the Army, you came to become a police officer? Mm-hmm. Oh. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Wow, that's a wide range of... Yeah, it's definitely <laughs> definitely some different <laughs> angles. And that's, I think, Officer Small, that's why he kind of wanted us all here, because it is... It shows a diversity. Yeah, yeah, yeah the diversity of experience. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's it's not is. just about you know, trying to, to look at it from one angle. You're looking at it from a very broad perspective. Yeah. And that goes for, I mean, the remainder of our department, too. It's, you think he's got a lot of time, but you have, I mean, a handful of guys with 
just as many years on with a way different range and variety of other things mm -hmm. in that period of time. So it's definitely a good amount of experience here. Wow. Okay. So uh, knowing that you guys have been here for different periods of time, so uh, what are your different jobs here at the airport? Mainly uh, patrol. Patrol? Okay. Patrol, yeah. If we're not upstairs at the security checkpoint, um, just patrolling around. You know, it's a little bit different than municipality policing yeah. or county policing. But for the most part, uh, it's about the same job. It's just on a smaller scale. Got it. Yeah. Smaller jurisdiction. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Right. Yeah, you don't have as much. I mean, you have some residential, but a lot of it's more business, financial areas, and, of course, the airport itself. So it's, like he said, a little bit different than the municipality where you think of just storefronts, businesses, and homes that you're responding to. Um, but same same capacity, we're both. Um, he's one of the night shift guys, and I kind of work at a, a midday swing shift, but same same capacity of work. Okay. I'm a, I'm a night shift uh, police officer. Oh, okay. I'm partnered up with uh, Officer Cortez over there. So we work five at night to five thirty in the morning. Wow! So we're here all night. But the unique thing about this airport is people underestimate how diverse it really is as far as a policing perspective. Yeah, you know the airport itself has over three thousand acres. Oh, okay. So <laughs> That's a fairly large parcel of land. Yeah, for to police, and the the range of policing issues could be very wide. I mean, the potential for Anything to happen here is, is there. Not to mention that you know we have a, an airport that services uh, over three million passengers. Last year, came oh, through yeah. here. We have one of the longest runways uh, on the East Coast, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, nine left is over eleven thousand feet long. So that means any aircraft flying can land here. That's a unique distinction for this airport. Yeah, it's a lot larger than I thought. A lot, and a lot, a lot of air, airports can't say that. Wow, but we've had Air Force One here. Mm -hmm. The president's been here. Oh, okay. And so we can land a lot of aircrafts. Now the problem with landing the bigger aircraft is that there, we don't have the terminal facilities to service them. Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. So yeah, we can land them here. Yeah. But they have to stay on the tarmac because we can't unload the passengers because we don't have the gate facilities <clears throat> for them. Oh, okay. That's so that's the hard part. But that's it's it adds to the uniqueness of the Sanford Airport. Yeah. Not to mention, like Officer Edgar said. You know, we have a residential area, we have okay. a commercial business area. Okay. Each of those has its own unique needs for policing. And then we have the terminal operations. Oh, okay. So with all of these people coming through, you know, the, the potential for problems is there. Luckily, we don't have a lot of problems here. Uh, yeah, that's good to know. So, and I think that that's, that's attributed to a well-run operation and good policing and good presence. Mm -hmm. Okay, uh, so what's your like favorite part of working at the airport? That's awesome. Because there, there are definitely some differences between working at airport than regular time or city. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I came. I know Officer Artas came from more of the canine was his interest and background. Officer Small had as many <laughs> array of interest over his time. Obviously, with more time, you had the capability of doing that. I came from more of the investigative background, so I still enjoy doing that. Okay. Um, but at the same time, you deal with things that you know, stranded passengers or people that are, you know, 
out of state that encounter issues that at other locations, municipalities, sheriff's office, whatever, they don't have the resources or you know family or friends down here to assist, which puts more stress or you know responsibility on us to resolve that you know on a more large scale for their issue because they just they don't have that. So something I definitely experienced different here and you know policing at least you know sheriff's office or anything else okay not to sound too cliche yeah but i think that the biggest biggest benefit of this job is just helping people definitely yeah that's the main one of the things that that we subscribe to here is that you know we are people who care about people yeah so So, it always reminds me yeah because you know it's it is but it's a catchy it's a catchy slogan and i know it's been used in law enforcement and other other jurisdictions probably but uh i think it holds true here and one of the things that that we practice is empathy okay so and and you have to you have to put yourself in the place of the person you're trying to help because it makes it easier for you to go above and beyond to help them to accomplish that goal right you know people are stranded here and they're helpless yeah, and and the first people they come to, which is universal, is the cops. <clears throat> you see a police officer, and you're always taught from when you could barely walk. If you're in trouble, go to the, go the police officer. Yeah, right. Yeah. So that holds true everywhere, even now, even here. Right. Yeah. So these people come to us and they say, "Hey, we're stranded. We need help. Can you help us?" Now it'd be very easy for us to say, oh, "I'm sorry, it's not our job," and yeah. drive away. But what kind of impression are we leaving with the general public? Yeah, you definitely want to leave a better kind of reputation. So you have that opportunity, and you need to take advantage of it. Right. And we do here. I mean, we go above and beyond to help people. That's good. And I think that's very rewarding from a policing perspective. And I've been on the job a long time. So I've seen a lot of examples of okay. what not to do compared to what compared to how it's done here. Got it. So yeah. that's one of the best parts of the job. And just to segue off what he said, I don't think it's a knock to like other police departments. I just feel like we're in a unique position that our call volume is so much lower. Yeah. Yeah. We have that extra time to spend and with the people, give them what they need, as opposed to like other calls, other departments where they're inundated with like calls and they can't really, they don't have the resources to give everybody the that attention. Yeah, you guys have more time and yeah, more so, freedom, I guess. Yeah, for sure. And like I said before, it was nice. I mean, my perspective of dealing with people, their worst times in their life on their worst day kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Sometimes those are those people here, whether it's for you know loss of family or financial issues or whatever it is. Then on top of that, they're now stranded in a state that they had no idea where they're at or where they are, you know, where they are, not familiar with anything. Mm-hmm. And it's like it could, could have been for a family member's funeral or something. Now they're down here stranded on top of that stress and sadness that they have. So then we're in that position of all of that kind of em- empathy feeling for them in the situation that they're in. And again, trying to use the resources we have to get them home, you know, ultimately is the main goal. So, that's, that's definitely good to hear that you guys are taking time to yeah. really step up your jobs. Do the best we can, you know? Yeah. So continuing off that topic, uh, like how often do you guys communicate with the public and community? Daily, every, every day, daily, 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 hour, I mean, hourly, hourly. every shift. Yeah. So like uh, Officer Ortas mentioned, calls, call volume might not be as high as some other agencies. 
but sometimes when they are high, they they kind of float there. We have some days that are slower than others, but then some days we get back to back to back where it's stretches resources. And <laughs> there, there's a difference though between service related calls and officer initiated calls. Right. Oh, and, and that distinction needs to be clarified because service related calls are those that the the, the victim or is, is calling for the police. I, I, I'm in trouble. I need help. Can you send a police officer to me? Somebody stole my wallet. You know, somebody stole my car. You know, Does that happen often? Sometimes. <laughs> sometimes it depends on the day. You know, um, somebody somebody is is has got my credit card and is stolen the numbers and is doing charges all over all over the county. Stuff like that. Those are service related calls. They pick up the phone, they call the police, the dispatcher gets the call, processes it, and assigns one of us to go and handle it. Okay. Then you have the other calls where we may be sitting in a in a position somewhere and we're approached by a passenger or a civilian or another coworker. It says, Hey, you know, something happened to me over here. Can you help me? Okay. And then those they have those occurrences where we roll up on something and something just doesn't look right. Oh, okay. So we start doing some investigating, and then that results in opening up a, a potential case and, yeah. and or cooperation, sure. So that's the kind of distinction that needs to be made about this particular type of policing here versus municipal, where yeah. they're so busy and they get, they're get they dispatched to calls, and they get so many calls that they're stacking them. <laughs> so you can't get through them because they're holding calls mm -hmm. for you. Yeah. So as soon as I finish with you, I have three it's more calls I have to handle. And that's how my night goes. So it's not like that here. Okay. Right. And we've all like we've all you know, been there. We've all been there where you turn on your computer and you're, you're putting on your uniform and you're going into work, and you have a stack of calls holding or waiting. As long as it's not anything urgent or priority, you know, anybody's safety concern, you get a 10, 15 calls holding, and you already know that as soon as you go in. You can only work one call at a time. Oh yeah, that's but it's you have that mindset in the back of your head that it's I got to deal with this, I got to deal with the best I can, but I also have three, four, three, five four, other calls holding, wow. and you have that. And I mean, a lot of times you can look at a call and know right off the bat that it's it's going to be a report, it's going to require this, and you know you can almost once you're doing a little while you can tell immediately how much time. It's likely going to take you on each call that you're going to be going to. So you have that in the back of your mind. Whereas, again, here, you might have one, two, three calls holding at a time. But it's, you know, you, we, we balance off each other very well to handle that and get them you know, taken care of as quickly so, as possible. So look, some, of the, some of the issues can be better illustrated. If you just take a look at this monitor here. Okay. Right? That's yeah. the terminal. I see. Yeah. These are passengers waiting for flights. They just unloaded a flight here. So when you get that many people in an area, fairly small area, mm -hmm. anything could happen. Yeah. From that small TV screen, like anything could happen. Right? Anything could happen. Yeah. With any of these people. And you probably have, if I had to get sealed passengers coming off, they just got off a flight now. So they're coming into the terminal. These people are waiting to go onto the flights and leave the terminal. Yeah, there's a lot of... There's a lot of risk there. There's a lot of potential wrong. for potential. problems. Yeah. <laughs> and that's just on that camera. That's just this so one shot. That wow. terminal goes all the way down behind that yeah. camera. So there's probably all those seats filled all the way down with people. Oh, yeah. so. It's it's that point there's it may not be 
you know, the, the, the crazy high speed, but it's that you know, possibility of propensity for uh, a bar, restaurant, shop, and all of these people are waiting for flights or they're leaving the terminal. They just got off the plane. Yeah. Oh, wow. It, while inspecting the cameras, do you, do you often find anything wrong? Or... Yeah, we're, we've gotten pretty pretty good at picking up on subtleties that may be problems. Okay. In just glancing at the cameras, you can tell what sticks out, what doesn't really look right. And, and i got to give credit to our dispatchers because they have a similar setup in communications. They monitor, the, they monitor the, the cameras as well. And they're even better than we are right. at picking up problems. Yeah, like I said, we're we're usually not in here for yeah, even we this don't period totally of time. Stay in here. Dispatch uh, has those screens in front of them. So if they do see something while they're back there, dispatching calls are responding to us, yeah. they can alert us because they, they see that they're there all the time. Uh, so. How many how many officers are there in the airport? Fifteen sworn. Yeah. Fifteen sworn. So by standards, it's a small department, small department for a big area. For yeah, for a big area and a fairly busy international airport. Right. And the amount so of officers. So this particular time, shift, right. we only have there's only the three of us. Oh, okay. This is it. Yeah. Right. Wow. <laughs> so yeah, and you do you think three officers, one call can easily tie all three of us up? Yeah. So got it. It's a, it's a balance of manpower and resources. And I think that's a problem with all with policing across the board too. Like so many like, agencies across the country are like undermanned. Mm -hmm. Understaffed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. understaffed. Yeah, nobody wants nobody wants to take a job now. You know, can you blame them? Like it's a tough job. Your your title of your project says it all. Exactly. I mean, I think a lot of it is perceptual. Change the perception of policing. Yeah, police get the bad rap. Now you yeah. have the whole defund the policing movement, mm -hmm. which has basically fallen on its fallen on its sword. So, yeah, it's just the hate media. Like everyone just has this one vision of how policing is, and it shouldn't be the majority of policing. It, it, it's not. Yeah. You know, there's there's bad sections in every occupation. Exactly. Unfortunately, policing is so publicly oriented. That you know, one bad apple in policing is going to is going to scar the entire the entire force. Yeah, mm -hmm. uh, and I mean, it, it, the media adds to that because they they, they take the hate and, and the anger and they stir it up and you know, change public opinion that way. And public, you know, the public is is really taught or encouraged to believe that cops are bad, and that's not the case. Are there bad cops? Absolutely. Definitely. Well, yeah. I'd Are say, there bad bankers? Well, yes. that depends on what bad means. You know, like, oh, okay. they're definitely like the... I don't think that cops are bad. They're, they're really not. But there has probably been some under-trained or under-prepared, I'd say, officers. Because, mm -hmm. you know, you can see it sometimes. Um, but like, the, they're good people. It's just... The, how they handle the situations or... Right. Yeah. And a lot of it, can, you know, training, training, experience, experience is huge on this job. Because, mm -hmm. I mean, one of, I mean, you think of a lot of fields in life, certain jobs you can obtain the skills, the training. Mm -hmm. And once you have those, not much changes day to day. This yeah. career path that you take, the more experience you have, 
you're never going to know it all or see everything, but the more experience you have, the more likely you are further down the line to have dealt with it and be able to handle that in a better way or, you know, take a better course or path on that. So definitely. Yeah. So just like relating to that, um, when you're in the airport, uh, on the job, how do people usually react when they see you guys? That's it. Pretty good. Pretty good. Yeah, pretty good at airport because when you're when you're in the terminal, <laughs> you're flying out. Your focus is on travel, your family, and for the most part, you, you want to be safe. <laughs> and it, 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 it makes you, them feel good. It's a it's a yeah. safety feeling for them, okay. I think. And, and you know, you go through security, so you, you you know that for the most part, once you're on that side of things pretty secure but seeing us walk through it's that extra safety feeling of just the extra you know we're here to travel yeah, yeah. aircraft you know it's going up in the sky you want everything to be safe nobody wants to have anything occur so i'd say for the most part the view is i'd say 95 percent good remember going to the airport is a stressful thing <laughs> yeah it really is yeah it is going to design from from planning. the very beginning of the process Packing your bags, getting a car, getting someone to watch your house, maybe watch your pet, mm -hmm. making arrangements, renting cars. But then you got to get to the airport on time and you got to be here a couple hours early because you got to go through screening, right? So that's stressful. <laughs> then you get to the airport and there's crowds. Everybody's trying to get the same place. Everybody's yeah. trying to get through security to the gate. Yeah, their goal is just to wait get, to get there. So it's there. stressful. So people stressed out, they tend to react differently than non-stressed people. Wow. Okay. So we deal with the stressed people. And, and, and for the most part, like Officer Edwards said, they, they react very well to seeing us. Our presence alone uh, maybe is a reassurance to them, is that's, a comfort. That's good to hear. Yeah. Um, unless, of course, they're doing something wrong. Right. <laughs> like, Human yeah. nature will tell you, it dictates it. If you're doing something wrong, the last person you want to see is a police officer. Okay. And you're going to avoid them. Yeah. And your body language is going to give you away. Oh, okay. There's certain gives, tells, cues you know, that uh, that people present when they're, they don't want to see us. You know, they, they certainly don't make eye contact with us. They would rather be walking in a different direction. Their hands are usually cupped in their, in their midsection. You know, they're, they're, not, they're not vocal. They don't want to say anything. They don't want to come in contact with us. And it becomes pretty obvious. Yeah. So, I mean, and, and that draws our attention a lot of times. We're, okay. we're taught to look at that, to catch that. Yeah. I'm not judging, but I'm sure that you have like a lot more, I guess, experience of telling whether people are not. Are, I've, I've, well, I've, I've, I've done it a long time. Yeah. yeah. And that's, that goes with, it like goes I with said, the experience, experience uh, dealing with, I mean, he's been on various teams and positions and you know, dealing with different types yeah, of people. I'm a graduate of the FBI National Academy. Oh, wow. So, yeah, tra training, certification. I mean, this guy's, if you could think of a training or certification, he probably has it. <laughs> you know? But, yeah, it's uh, those are things that come with time. But going back, like you said, everybody coming to the airport has that common goal of they want to get where they want to go. Yeah, their destination. So... We're not really their focus is that we're not really their concern unless like officer small said they're doing something wrong or they have you know any ill intention of doing something at the airport or anything on the plane mm -hmm. those are really the only people that have a negative at least for us from our perspective a negative view towards us 
you know that we may come into contact with. So they may bring they may bring problems with them yeah. to the airport. For oh. instance, uh, domestic issues, domestic disturbance issues. They may get into a, a domestic fight with their partner prior to getting to the airport. Or that may be the reason why they're at the airport. Because they're trying to flee from their partner. You had that. Oh. So, I mean, and they're taking the children, which is a parental custody issue. And we've dealt with that. You know? So these problems, they present themselves to us for various reasons. And we have to train, we have to deal with them. We have to rely on training and our working partnerships, and, and that's the way we do it. Yeah, you guys sound very trained in what you guys do. Um, we try to, yeah, and I think we've all had interest in our career. Like he said, from about the time he could walk, Officer Small said, he had that dream, passion, that's and interest. To do. And we've both come to that point. And, you know, when you have the interest, the motivation, for the training and to have the experience, because I mean, it goes without saying any municipality, any agency, you can be doing the job and do the bare minimum, or you can be that motivated person to try to experience as much as you want, try to take training classes, try to be involved with different units or different aspects of the agency. And you'll probably find that that motivated person, they might even have the same amount of time doing the job yeah, as somebody they went to the academy with, whatever it might be, but when you ask them a question or how they respond to things, it could be vastly different just based upon their initiative to gain that experience. So I think everyone here, I mean, I can't think of anybody that doesn't have that motivation you know, through their you know, the career path to have that training. And like Officer Small said, the FBI Academy and I mean, that's no small thing. You spend months, months away from your home. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's it's a lot of dedication and, you know, a lot to be motivated to do. So I think if you had that mindset, then you can definitely, in a shorter period of time, than you might even think be able to gain that knowledge and experience. Wow. Yeah, I would say it's all about just, are you, com- are you comfortable with yourself if you just meet the minimum standards? Or do you want to push the envelope and just do like above average stuff. You know? Definitely above average. Yeah, for sure. And it comes like, it's only 15 of us here. Okay. So if we're all doing the bare minimum, then we're not that effective. That's yeah. True. So, right. yeah. Right. Like I said, I think everybody tries to exceed standards. Mm-hmm. And we're all in different points in our career, but everybody tries to exceed those. But yeah, like Officer Hurtas said, if we all wanted to do, you know, the bare minimum standards, I don't think we would be as effective with helping or resolving anyone's issues or caring, you know, it just puts in a different mindset of the officers. Um, yeah, just knowing that, what do you guys think that the public, uh, the media, after just having this conversation with you guys, what do you think they misunderstand? Uh, I mean, I think we've all seen, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, I think we've all seen, you know, you see the, the zoomed in version of things, mm-hmm. and, you know, when they zoom out and it's the broad picture, Everything is 180 degrees. You know, you see the more accurate when you zoom in or you focus or have tunnel vision on a specific thing, you can create it however you really want to create it. So uh, like Officer Small said, the the public perspective, which public view with media and how things may be biased or non-biased or however you want to speak about it. But when that public view is one way, 
it's those citizens or those, that's the that, only thing that they public, see. Right. That's the only thing they see, and those are the people that vote and vote people into the office that then create policies and create laws. Um, and that's what I think ultimately in the long run changes things. Like Officer Paul mentioned, defund the police. A lot of that, you know, the media brings in those pictures and those views, changes public perspective. And when you get people pro to defund the police, because that's what they think is best. So, okay. Going off that. Hitting on too many points there. (laughs) No, no, that's that's, that's completely fine. Uh, Going off the point of defund the police, um, obviously that's an infamous phrase that's used a lot. Uh, What does defund the police mean to you guys? I, I basically defund the police. I think it's, you know, who you're hurting at okay. the end of the day. You're hurting the citizens. Definitely. That need the police to have the proper tools, the proper training, you know, in order to do their job correctly and protect everybody. Yeah. And if you're defunding the police, then you're only hurting the people that need the help in the first place. Yeah, ultimately, it's just yeah. back to the citizens. Exactly. Yeah, it's it hurts us when we're doing our job, but... If we can't do our job correctly, it's a a, a bigger issue. A ripple effect yeah. almost. Yeah, it's it almost it almost seems retaliatory mm. in its in its proposal. Yeah. And it means that people are gonna take the shot at the police and, and the only way that they can effectively hurt the police for whatever reasons is take away the money. They don't really see the after effects of that. But that's why I said I think people are so agitated to the point where they just want they just want revenge. Yeah, and I think that that adds to this whole defund the police thing. They want change, which I understand sure. and I support. You know, monitoring the police and making sure that the police are professionals and do their jobs. And those police that cross the line are punished. They're punished as justice fairly prosecuted yeah. and criminally liable. I agree with that, but you know the anger in our society now has got to the point where, it's, like I said, it's retaliatory in the sense that you know some some legislators jump up and say, "Let's just defund the police, let's do away with the police." So they start cutting budgets, yeah. and when you cut budgets, you cut cops. You take you can't pay an officer. That's it. you lose the officer, mm-hmm. and and they'll tell you that we have to do more with less. That's not easy. Yeah. And yeah. we are, I mean, we're only human. So it's, yeah, true. I mean, you see a lot of these cities, not any, in, you know, to be specific, but you see a lot of the places where they've been a little bit more strong handed on reallocating funds and cutting budgets. And you have, they cut the budget, but at the same time, you have those officers that are now remaining working every day of the week for double time. And it, it, I mean, it's, at that point, you have strained, exhausted human beings. That when you're that exhausted, you're strained, you're you're worn out. You're, you get burned out. They burn yeah. them out, and then you end up with a police force that is less able to make the proper decisions or the most logical decisions because of just they're pushed to the brink of just exhaustion. Yeah, police so officers are also just humans. It's just they have more responsibility. Right. Yeah. Right. So. It's terrible because you know you look at it and say, okay, it, it's a fad or a phase. And, and the good thing is, is that it appears that the defund the police movement has lost a lot of steam, yeah. and it's fading fast. That's, that's, that's good to hear. Yeah. Which is good to hear. Yeah. 
for us as police officers, it's wonderful to do because yeah. we don't feel the pressure as far as that's concerned. You know, we can still continue to do our jobs as, as good as we can and not better because of the, the initial movement. You know, and, and what they wanted to accomplish in the first place was just accountability. You know, cops are not above the law. Yeah. And that's what people are trying to say. You know, and certain officers have gotten away with some stuff. That's just ridiculous. Yeah. But and that's not every officer. That's though. right. It's not every officer. But, you know, they tend to paint things with a broad brush. So if it's one, it's all. Exactly. Yeah, they and think that's it's not like a small incident. So it's not true. The entire. Right. It's like bankers, attorneys, doctors, malpractice, any, any occupation. You have one doctor that did one thing wrong in one state. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, it's no reason to reallocate or cut budgets for doctors across the nation because then who suffers just like with us citizens you have your patients or you have your clients or your customers whatever it might be because in, in law enforcement I, i've always kind of looked at it as a business citizens are our customers exactly you know it's such a wild ride and i say that because it swings in public opinion yeah. let me go back to september 11 2001 that day? I, yeah. Okay. Cops and firefighters ran into the towers and subsequently died. First responders as well, yeah. We were heroes, right? Right. And yeah. that hero mentality and appreciation rolled over for a period of time, and then something happened, and it changed. Then the heroes became the villains. Yeah. And that lasted for a little while. And then something happened again, and they became heroes again. And then so back we're going back and forth, back and forth. Ways. And now, you know, lately, like I said, it was the defund the police movement. You know, and and now that's kind of losing steam. And you know, here we go again. Yeah. What's it going to be this week? Yeah. What's the new drama going to be? Uh, it it could be anything. The new line. Yeah. yeah. It could be. Anything. But I mean, so, with that being said, you just try to. As us as individuals, us as a department, mm -hmm. it does come in waves, like Officer Small said. But it's just, I guess, that focus of trying to do the best you can as an officer, department, you know, municipality, county, whatever, to focus and keep the focus on doing the best you can so that no event happens specifically to you guys as a department or whatever it may be that creates another one of those waves to you know, regress or anything. You, you don't want to be that the subject of the, you know, the issue of it. Yeah. And, and trying to maintain consistency in, in the delivery of, of good policing is, is hard because you get so many variables you have to deal with as humans. Yes. Yeah. We guys officers. are no different. It's just the jobs, you know, it's, it's hard, yeah. but we do the best we can with what we can. We strive to do better and be better. And I think everybody should. Definitely. Yeah. How would you guys say the funding for police is categorized? Funding is, is like I said, with with the uh, swing in the defund the police movement, I think people are realizing that they need the police. Definitely. <laughs> and, and, and the realization comes at a price. Because, you know, after the defund police movement, all of a sudden, uh, police budgets were cut and certain services were eliminated. So what did you see? You saw a rise in crime. 
not a not a small rise, a dramatic rise of crime, violent crime. And where's the cops? That's what people are saying. Where's the cops? Yeah. Well, the cops ain't there anymore. And then because you defunded them, you wanted to try a different route. Yeah. This is a proven practice of handling crime. Let the police do what they do. Yeah, let them do their jobs. Yeah. Yeah. Now, monitor the police and maintain, maintain accountability of them. I get yeah, They're just as even, so of course they need some I'm supportive of yeah. yeah. But, you know, but for the most part, people are recognizing that they need the police, and they're, they're willing to give the funding to get the services that they expect. I mean, as taxpayers, we expect certain services. We pay for certain services. I pay for a police officer to respond when I call them. And I want a professional police officer. Of course, yeah. I want well, somebody that can do the job that needs to be done. Mm-hmm. That is willing to risk his or her life yeah. if needed. Yeah, sometimes people forget that. Well, it's part it's a very big part of the job. Mm-hmm. You know? So that's what I pay taxes for. And and I want that service. I want my government to give me what I pay for by way of Good sound policing. And when they don't, well, now we got a reason to complain. Now we got a reason to uprise mm-hmm. and, and say, hey, fix it. And I think you're hearing that. I think people are saying that. Yes. You know, people are saying, you know, like New York City, for instance, you know, the citizens of New York and LA. Yeah. The citizens are they're saying, what's going on here? Well, they defunded the police, so it's their problem. There you go. Yeah. But we have, we have a lot of support here. We have a very, That's very supportive administrative section mm-hmm. that that really appreciates us and 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 will support us financial, fiscally, and you know whatever equipment we need and stuff like that. Of course, it's 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 a wonderful feeling yeah. to have that cooperative support. Also, the Florida government too, like currently, recently, DeSantis, Governor DeSantis, he released the the bill a thousand dollar bonus to all officers. I know he did it once, and then he's trying to do it again. So that's great to hear. It definitely, yeah, government. It's it's a little, it's a little token of appreciation. That yeah, that's that's great to hear that the government themselves just giving appreciation. That says a lot about the government, of course. And he's he's he himself has flown in and out of here, yeah, several times. And he's always, I mean, I've never had one on one or face to face with him, but from everybody that I've heard of his dealings with and speaking with him completely support 100 percent very down to earth couldn't you know couldn't be a nicer guy so yeah. it's definitely helpful having it from you know the top level of the florida government mm-hmm. down to like you said the you know the the administrative section of our department itself it you know comes right down to us and we're fortunate enough to have the support pretty much all the way down so. support of government yeah, right 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 yeah uh I've I've gone to some of his speeches, uh, mm-hmm. Santos. I've actually gone to one of them. He did mention policing, which I think is great. He mentioned a lot of things, and he definitely put policing as one of the things in speech. He's a great. I took. I actually took a picture with him. He's, he's, yeah. he's a really he's good. a really smart guy. Yeah. I think. Yeah, he he definitely knows what he's doing about policing too. Mm-hmm. Uh, he he definitely mentioned that a lot. Funding the police. Supporting, it was it was a great it was a great thing to hear. Very good. Yeah, glad you got to see that. Thank you. So, uh, in your department or general, um, do you think there should be like more funding allocated to policing, or what you have right now is that enough? I mean, 
Officer Small said it already, you know, with our, our administration, they do as much as they possibly can as far as equipment, mm-hmm. training, any type of benefits, um, uniforms. They try to make sure that we are taken care of and they are supportive. Um, I mean, I think everybody, depending on your perspective or view or what you might see, whether it's training or certain, you know, everybody might think they want more, but Mm -hmm. a lot of times you just got to kind of realize how fortunate you are compared to some other departments, not even in the state of Florida, but in other states throughout the nation. Yeah. I mean, we have it pretty great here (laughs) with equipment and training and all that. So um, it's kind of that whole thing could, could always be worse always be better but i think we have a pretty great as far as it, it comes down to simple difference between wants and needs yeah very yeah. good point that's a good point i want something doesn't necessarily mean i need it i'd like to have you know brand new lasers and you know uh, all kinds of nice toys for policing do i need them no i don't but if it's there together, sure. if it's if it's possible to it's get possible. them to yeah. increase the the ability of our police officers, absolutely. But not at the uh, at, at, at the cost of the, the budgeted monies that we have to operate the police department. Yeah, you know, it, it, like I said, it, it comes between wants and needs. If I need it and I can justify that need, then I should be able to fund it. Exactly. And that funding source will come from uh, the budget that's allotted to the police department by whatever governing body does that, does the allotment. And this is the airport authority. Yeah. So, you know, a police department, our police department has to present a budget to the airport authority, and, and that budget is considered and either approved or mm-hmm. not approved. And it's cut if it needs to be cut, or they add funds where they need to add funds. Yeah. And the biggest, the biggest drawn budgets is is positions, mm-hmm. police positions. Yeah, you know, I need more cops. Exactly. You know, but you know, there again, it's it's not necessarily as simple as just saying, well, let's just give them ten more police officers. Yeah, it's, it's just because that'll solve all the crimes, and we'll have cops everywhere, and it, everybody will be happy. But the problem is, you got to pay for ten cops. Exactly. And ten equipment. Cars. Ten cars. Ten yes. guns. The gas ten computers. Cars. Ten. All of that stuff factors into the package. Yeah. So it's a very uh, liability issue. Well, there's a liability issue, sure. But it's it's trying to put together the best package to to justify the cost. Yeah. And every police officer. You know, to staff one 24-hour position, you need, I believe, it's five police officers. Oh, wow. To staff one 24-round-the-clock position, you okay. five cops. Wow. Would you, the cop is, uh, I, I don't, don't quote me because I don't know the budget numbers offhand. No problem. I want to say $170,000, maybe. Okay. Not so mm-hmm. For a budgeted cost for a police officer, mm-hmm. that's including everything. That's mm-hmm. uniforms, guns, cars. Training, you know, the, the pay, benefits, stuff like that. Yeah. <clears throat> so would you say that the Sanford Airport Police Department? Would you say it's uh, it it's funded to its needs? Would you say that? I would say that. Yeah, absolutely. I would think maybe like yeah, it's we get a little bit more probably. You mm-hmm. know, like they treat us very well here. Like just speaking of my old department, I'm not gonna say any names or anything, but of course. yeah, but I had to uh, provide my 
all my uniforms, my gun, all my gear oh. came out of my pocket. Oh wow! Yeah, and as like a first year officer, you don't make much. Mm-hmm. So, and that was the second largest police department in New Jersey. You know, oh. so you would think like they'd have the money mm-hmm. to provide that to Definitely. their officers, but they don't. You know, so yeah. just coming here, I felt like I was like, wow, I was like, I'm getting all this, and it's I don't have to pay for it. Mm-hmm. It was a game changer. Yeah. It really opened my eyes to like the proper like. There's different ways that people go about budgeting, and you make certain things a priority. And down here, I think Sanford, specifically Sanford Airport, I think they they see us as individuals, not as a number, and they try to make us as comfortable as possible mm-hmm. with what they what they have. Yeah. Yeah, I think they do a good job at that. Yeah. And I, like I say, even coming us both coming prior from within Seminole County, knowing a lot of other people at other agencies. And I mean, they look at us and like, wow, man, you guys have that or, and then you guys got that or, yeah, they, I mean, they, they really, even from an outside perspective, realize that we get, how well we get treated here. So, so officers out here just are treated really well. That's good. I, I would definitely yeah. say so. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, not putting down any other surrounding agencies, oh, but, but this, uh, yeah, they, you know, they definitely see the, uh, the positives and it's how well we're taking care of here. It's, it's a, it's a good department and it's, it works, it works in cooperation with a good administrative section for the airport. We have a good airport president that appreciates good work and recognizes that the board all the board members recognize the efforts and stuff the police department puts forth, and, and they want to keep that going because they're responsible for the operation of the airport. Yeah. So who wants to go to an unsafe airport? Yes, true. Yeah. Right? So you've got to keep that in mind. And and not it's not just policing; it's it's the broad base of, of the needs. Mm-hmm. It's, it's traffic. It's who's going to cut the grass? Who's going to take care of the the lighting on the airfield? Who's going to take care of the passengers when they come in? Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of a lot of responsibility that goes into running this airport, and the fire service. I mean, them too. Right? So, a lot of hats. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, um, yeah. Just going off, knowing that you guys are like a bit, I guess, more satisfied with how the airport treats you guys. Um, is there anything that doesn't meet your expectations or or something you didn't expect to happen when you signed up? I could say coming into it here, I my expectations were very clear, laid out, very you know, very very clear of uh, what was expected of me, what was going to be the benefits, uh, you know, the positives of being employed here. I think that was very at, at face value presented by administration and everyone here. There was no real hidden, yeah, <laughs> hidden no, things or anything that popped up. Right? No, yeah, yeah, no empty promises or anything that popped up or was questionable after the fact. It was very face value, straightforward and direct. So the good thing is, is that this is a growing airport. Oh, okay. And and because it's growing, you know, mm-hmm. you experience growing pains. Yeah. And, and that affects every department. Okay. Not just the police department. Right. Yeah. We have a human resource department that is taking steps to kind of streamline some policies. Mm-hmm. 
and stuff that have addressed some concerns that were raised in the in the departments. So, you know, I mean, that might be an issue that we have, but it's being addressed, and and, and that's rolling pains. Yeah, and there's always the the cons of, and that's and that's what it is. You know, as we grow, there's going to be more things to deal with, and you know, we have to deal with what we had in the past. Mm -hmm. That needs to change in order to make the way for the future. It all comes down to, again, administration and their care and concern for resolving those issues. Though. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, the issues may be there, but if you don't have, whether it's the police department administration or the airport administration or fire or whatever, the issues are everywhere. Every department, doesn't matter where you go. But if you don't have the administration that cares and is concerned mm-hmm. and wants the best for its employees or its staff and you know, they don't care to see it be corrected. That's the real issue, which that is not the case here. Like Officer Small said, issues everywhere, but when you have the administration here, HR, and different departments that are streamlining things, mm-hmm. it's because they care and they have that concern. Wow. So that's kind of, I mean, that's the positive outlook. Yeah, there has to be a good working rapport between police departments and their superiors. Okay. The police department doesn't run the operation. They're a department of many departments. Exactly. Usually in a city in a city organization, you either have a mayor or a strong city manager, mm-hmm. a strong mayor or city manager, former governor. Okay. So they run the city. Yeah. And the police department falls under them. So the police chief deals directly with the either the mayor, the commissioners, or the city manager mm-hmm. in day-to-day operation for the, for the police department. And that's how that runs. You know, the sheriff answers to the Board of County Commissioners. And we have the airport board that we answer to. We have a president who deals with the board, and our chief of police, Tom Fuhrer, he answers to the president okay. of the airport. How often are there like uh, mentions or concerns from the president of the airport? Yeah, they have weekly staff meetings, like everybody else, and yeah. I'm sure issues and concerns are addressed at those staff meetings, mm-hmm. and they're resolved and. The word comes down. So yeah, fortunately, fortunately for us, none that we, I mean, I couldn't really think of too many that would directly have us specific to them. Um, we're fortunate enough that they are, and we try to keep it that way. Please, with you know the the work product or the outcome of the situations that we handle. So, fortunately, we don't we don't hear too much that is a an issue or concern coming down. Obviously. We're human. We're not going to be 100% perfect on everything, but um, we're, we're pretty lucky in that sense that we don't have too many issues that streamline down to us. Okay. Uh, so in the future, um, maybe this airport or just general policing, uh, what actions do you think should take um, to just to just benefit policing in the future? Like, what action should be taken? What changes should there be made? Well, I think I think there needs to be more emphasis on hiring quality individuals okay. to become police officers. So the hiring process? Absolutely. I think that's the first place you go. Right down to the academies. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe a better screening process at the academy level for potential police officer candidates. Okay. Then the hiring process. 
screening of potential problems there. And then probationary processes when you get actually get hired on with an organization. I mean, we have a year's probation. So that gives a little bit of time. But most agencies usually have a year of probation. Does the does the airport do they have an explorer program? No, they do not. Okay. Unfortunately. Okay. I do see the benefit in an explorer program. I think it's it's very worthwhile. And there's nothing better than taking an explorer and watching that explorer become a police officer. Yeah. I had that I had that uh, benefit in Altamont Springs. Okay. I watched certain explorers become police officers for the city of Altamont. Wow. It's very pleasing, very beneficial. Mm -hmm. I'm very proud of those individuals. That's that's what I see. As far as retention is concerned, you know, you want to retain your quality officers. Mm -hmm. But you know, you have factors that you really can't control sometimes that yeah. push people to the uh, the decision of maybe hanging up their gun and walking away. Yeah, a lot of, a lot of things can cause that. Absolutely. Yeah, because you can have a solid police officer and he runs into a problem on a call. And it just really shakes them up, yep. you know. And I'd rather, honestly, I'd rather one of my colleagues like know when to like call it, than continue, and then possibly like create a risk for mm -hmm. themselves and to like the public too. Yeah. yeah so I, maybe if I had to add something to improve your question was to improve policing in the future. Of course. Maybe better like mental health. Okay. You know what I mean? Because it's a, it's a bit bit of a stigma in our community. You know. Because um, we always have to be like the tough guys and macho guys. Like when people call for help, we have to put on that face, yeah. and you know, and just handle it for them, help them at their darkest times. And then what happens when we go home? You know, like you hope, like people tend to just hold stuff in, you know. And I think that's a real problem in the law enforcement community, military community, things of that nature. So maybe expand on mental health programs for law enforcement officers. Okay. Do you think mental health for officers, is it brought up a lot? I, I think so. I think so in this county. I, I'm not, you know, I have a pretty good friend of mine that has a big focus on that. Okay. Worked with him for years, uh, county, um, you know, as well. Um, but he, that's, he's retired now, has a big focus on that. Um, like Officer Ortas said, we all, for the most part, that A-type personality varies a little bit, but we have to, we try to separate those things, but a lot of times, you know, it falls up inside and a lot of times you don't know how to handle it. Not that there's anything wrong with it, but yeah, I mean, the focus on mental health was never a problem just reaching out and saying, hey, I need help. Yeah. Um, but for a lot of guys and girls, you know, women, it's, it is difficult. So that, I would say the mental health is always helpful. And uh, I mean, going on the, the hiring process and the probationary period training on top of that, um, we're fortunate enough that we have, as we mentioned before, so much experience and a lot of experience coming in the door here because a lot of the guys have previous careers, you know, full careers at departments, have years of experience that they come in here and that's a lot of times you, they know how to be cops. Sometimes they have to learn the little little things at the airport and adjust but um field training is huge in any department 
And if you get through there and you get pushed through training, when you get out solo, you're left there not knowing what you're doing, safety concern for you, your partners, public. Uh, but field training is it's huge for me. And, you know, just seeing people that have gone through, not even specifically here, but other departments that have gone through and scary sometimes, you know, high risk. Mm-hmm. And it's like, man, what? You went through field training? Like, <laughs> you passed field training? It's, sometimes it's difficult, but. I think that lies in the problem with, like, departments being understaffed. Okay. Where, and if they were at the their like maximum staffing level, you know, they were good, you know, maybe they could dismiss that person. Or, you know, now they're in a position where they can't, they have to, they have to keep whoever they have, you know, and yeah. sometimes. I guess or, that means keeping people there. Or they could be more selective about exactly. the process to become a trainer. Which when you're understaffed, you think you know, we have to retain people because we need manpower in our staffing. But at the same time, when you get low on staffing, that's like, well, we also need trainers. So who are we going to make the trainers if we're short-staffed? A lot of times those, those processes aren't, I don't think, as stringent as they should be. Um, have you guys, have, have you been in training positions? Like to train other officers? Me personally, no. No, no. Yeah. Um, had some opportunities to to assist with training, and you know, had times where I've had officers with me and um, standing in a little bit for their field trainer uh, in certain situations to help them, whether it was a shift or two shifts or maybe a rotation. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, I definitely think there's there's the right type of people for that. Cause if, I mean, it's one thing to want to learn it for yourself, but it's, you have to have a lot of patience. I mean, field trainer, supervisor, all the way up to the ranks. Yeah. You have to have that patience to process it, understand it yourself, learn it and want, you know, want to, and have the will to pass on that knowledge and training to someone else and make sure they succeed. So it definitely takes a special type of person to want to be in that training position. You don't realize how, how critical the field training program is towards the future of an organization. Mm-hmm. Because if your field training program fails, the organization is going to fail. Yeah. Because those people that have problems that are pushed through the program mm-hmm. go into the organization, and those problems become bigger and bigger in the organization. Ultimately, it potentially shuts down the organization. And it just goes back to the whole hate media thing. It becomes public. Because they they, they did something in training that should have been addressed in training Mm -hmm. and wasn't addressed or wasn't addressed effectively. And that same pattern of behavior reared its ugly head after training. Mm -hmm. And that's what led to the negative impact on the organization and just a, a slippery slope at that point. And you think when you're in training, you have your field trainer, officer, deputy, whatever it may be, their zone partners on a shift. Mm-hmm. And like Officer Small said, you know, a mountain out of a molehill kind of thing. You may have made a mistake in training mm-hmm. that your trainer may have you know, pulled you back just in time or kept you from taking that other step to make it even worse than it was. But now that you're out of training, you're on your own, you're solo, and there's nobody there to you know, kind of look over your shoulder and make sure you don't step too far where you can't you can't take those steps back. So when you're out there by yourself, you don't have that that 
hindsight, 2020, outside perspective of what you're doing, you don't have that anymore. So, like I said, you know, it's reared his ugly head. It, it may have occurred in training, and it didn't become a big thing because one or two more experienced or seasoned guys caught it before it got to that. But once you're out on your own, then there's, it's, you know, I mean, you have your zone partners, your supervisors, but they're not going to be there on scene with you all the time. They may, they may be there a few minutes later, but sometimes a few minutes is too late. So, but again, going back to the public perspective, mm-hmm. you know, training's always mentioned because people see on video, you know, they'll get that little clip and see something that an officer's doing and they may not play the three minutes prior. Mm-hmm. They just yeah. get that officer just get that at that, clip. at that point in the encounter where he That's maybe small. doesn't handle it the best or isn't as professional or says something, they go right from there. And then they go back to the training and why wasn't this caught? You know, maybe, maybe it was getting there and the trainer saw it, but caught it and didn't address it. So, and of course, officers are just humans as well. Right. I mean, yeah, we're, we have human emotion. There's no way that, I mean, you train and you have the experience and you learn to deal with it the best you can. And again, experience, I know I've said it a couple of times, plays into that so much. Because the more experience you had, the more encounters similar that you've had, and you've seen, it's like looking back and saying, "Hey, what mistakes did I make, and how can I do it better?" I mean, you get with that experience over and over again. Each circumstance, you might be doing better and better and better. In 10, 15, 32 years on the job, he can walk right into something, Officer Small can walk right into something and say, "Dealt with, dealt with this so many times in my career." I know A, B, C, and D that I'm not going to do right off the bat. I remember there's a potential for problems here or here or this here. Or don't say this, but try saying that. Right. Or let's try this instead of that. Right. It's just, just it's, experience. It's experience yeah. that, you, that you rely on. And training. Good. Is there uh, anything you got to add? No, I appreciate you coming out and taking your time and I know we all appreciate it, taking the time to sit with you and kind yeah, of go through it. It's, it's, it's nice. I think it's nice for all of us to kind of, because we can reflect and actually think about what we're yeah. saying. And yeah, it's, it's almost like a little therapy session for us. You know? <laughs> yeah. so, you really I mean, start the questions you asked were very, very good questions. Well thought out and, yeah. and, and pointed to the, to, to the issue of what we deal with every day. Of course, well, it's, and it's current and events. And I mean, it's, it's, good, not it's good sometimes to talk about. You don't get opportunities like that very often. Right. You certainly don't want to talk to the media because the media takes things out of context. Yes. Which is bad because I wish there was a better working rapport with the media. Working one. But you know, I, I rely I rely on an old statement that uh, that we used back in the days, you know, with the media. If it bleeds, it leaves. If it's sex, it's next. Mm-hmm. Uh, they format their their news. So you know, they're sensationalizing a lot of stuff. And unfortunately, because of what we do, we give them all the ammunition they need to come up with all kinds of stories. Yeah, they take advantage of and, and I wish I wish it was different. Definitely. I wish I didn't feel uh, the anxiety when I see a news truck rolling up on scene. Mm-hmm. But uh, I'd be lying if I said I didn't. Yeah, and then do, and that's even when you you feel and ultimately you you know that you did everything 100 percent the best that you could have, mm-hmm. and more than likely you did it 100 percent. You know, that's, the, that's, the right yeah. way. 
it's still it's like having a, any cop behind you and they turn on their lights you know it's like it's what I, it, yeah it's even when you think you're doing the speed limit and you're doing everything right you get a cop behind you, you're like ah, everybody even cops feel the same way because i mean everybody i i appreciate it because as i'm driving down the street if a police officer gets behind me i get that that That's tension feeling. yeah you know i can feel it and I'm trying to maybe switch lanes and let the, let the officer go by. Get out of his way and hope that he's anything. not following me for a reason. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, I definitely don't want that. I haven't had that tension yet. I don't. Well, uh, I don't know when I'm driving. Yeah. Yeah. What are you driving here? Let me see if we can't help you out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm 16, so. I oh, okay. Yeah. Well, congrats. It's a yeah. big step in life. It's awesome. Just be safe out there when you're driving. Absolutely. Yeah. Not even because of your own ways, but there's crazy drivers out there. Oh, yeah. You yeah. can do everything right, and sometimes, you know, it's just. Central Florida, too. It's like one of the highest cars. Traffic, yeah. 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 Okay, sure. Thank you. Yeah. For, uh, yeah of course, thank you guys, too, for taking time. Absolutely. It really means a lot to me. Absolutely. Speak with you. Get to know you. Thank you, guys. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Thank you for listening, and I hope you enjoy this episode.